Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Harrow, and we are keeping score in the $1.3 trillion business of sports. All coronavirus all the time? Well, maybe, but we have a number of sports like NASCAR coming back on May 17. You have UFC starting on May 9. Eh, landscape may be changing, but still the deal making three to one. Number three, the NCAA moves forward on names and likenesses. The governing body came out in support of a proposal to allow college athletes to sign endorsement contracts and receive payment for other work and appearances and activities featuring their name, image, and likeness with the requirement that the universities they attend not involved in any of the payments. The recommendations included changes to current restrictions while also leaving room for the NCAA and schools to regulate the type of deals athletes might be allowed to sign in the future, as well as the monetary value of the individual contracts. The NCAA's news release said athletes will be allowed to appear in advertisements and can reference their sport and school, but not able to use logos or branding of those advertisements and those institutions. And with several states pursuing their own name, image, and likeness legislation, the NCAA recognized it has to act quickly to reach a deal that allows the collegiate student-athletes to capitalize on many of the same money-making activities enjoy, enjoyed by their non-athlete peers. That's number three. Number two, the NFL. It, Amazon, reached a new agreement to renew their exclusive partnership to deliver a live digital stream of Thursday Night Football presented by Bud Light Platinum. Synopsis says Amazon Prime Video and Twitch will stream the 11 Thursday Night Football games broadcast by Fox, available to more than 150 million paid Prime viewers worldwide in over 200 countries and territories on the Prime Video and Twitch sites and apps. As our relationship had expanded, Amazon became a trusted and valued partner of the NFL, said Brian Rolap, NFL Chief Media and Business Officer. Extending this partnership around Thursday Night Football continues our critical mission of delivering NFL games to as many fans in as many ways as possible. The league and Amazon also announced an agreement to exclusively stream one regular season game globally on Prime Video and Twitch, played Saturday in the second half of the 2020 NFL regular season. And in keeping with the NFL's longstanding commitment to make the games available for free, over-the-air TV streamed games will also be televised in the participating team's home market. That's number two. And then number one, from an intellect, inter, international Olympic perspective, the IOC confirmed it's allocating more than $25 million to cover extra athlete and team costs related to the one-year postponement of Tokyo 2020. Drawing from its Olympic Solidarity Program, the IOC providing an extra $15 million, split between 1,600 athletes and 185 less well-funded countries to help them prepare for the Games in 2021. Sports Pro says more than $100 million is available for national Olympic bodies to cover additional operational costs, such as travel and accommodation for officials. The funding designed to help all 206 national Olympic teams and the refugee teams send athletes to the Games. 
the athlete funding announcement came as the chief executive of the 2020 organizing committee promised transparency with Japanese taxpayers who were likely to be picking up the cost of the postponement. Early estimates of the cost of delaying the games by a year range from about $2 billion to $6 billion, but a conclusive total has not been announced by either the organizing committee or the IOC, and that is number one. Well, all about coronavirus, clearly, but maybe a little more positive perspective. Everybody in the industry thinking of the big picture. And one of the folks that's well able to do that, Vince Thompson, the founder of Melt Agency, one of the nation's largest independent sports and event marketing agencies founded in 2000. NCAA, Game Day, FIFA, Baseball, MLS, AFLAC, a number of corporations and a number of events. It's a full service agency offering experiential marketing, social and digital media, and on and on. And Vince, also a good friend, growing up in Birmingham, but having international perspective, he talks about the coronavirus, sports business, maybe some fundamental changes ahead, certainly worth a listen. Vince Thompson. Interview recorded April 22nd, 2020. From the Chief marketer magazine 2020 top 200 agencies sports business journals power players atlanta business chronicle 2018 most admired ceos atlanta magazine 2020 and 2019 power 500 award winner the guy from lower alabama he'll tell you that he comes from a fairly mediocre existence i'll get into that in a minute but he built melt into one of the nation's largest independent sports and event marketing agencies Coca-Cola, Game Day, a whole bunch of places, Aflac. Vince Thompson, if he still wants to stay on with me after this intro, you'll hear him. Are you there? I tell you, I'm going to take you everywhere I go now, Rick. I need that intro everywhere. Luckily, we're not going anywhere for a while, so that's an easy bet. Uh, I will tell you that it is an honor. Uh, You and I have gone way back. We were in Birmingham. It was a referendum that was done called MAPS, and uh, we still kind of lament what happened with that, and uh, I'm uh, on with Paul Feinbaum, our friend, occasionally, and we talk a bit about that as well. And and uh, just one minute before we get into the big stuff, you know, Birmingham had a shot at greatness. Maybe it'll happen again. So uh, how much time do you spend in Birmingham now versus your power move to Atlanta? Well, you know, I've still got a lot of great friends over there and um, do some business over there, do some business over down in Tuscaloosa a little bit, and... Uh, Seems to be they're making a, uh, a very positive turn. Got the uh, new Protective Life Stadium in, got the World Games. Obviously, the, uh, the food and culinary scene uh, has done very well. But, yeah, I think about it a lot. You and Paul and um, Richard Scrooge and a lot of the leaders there of what could have been and what might have been. And, um, you know, I'll confess it gives me a little twinge of, of sadness and regret. But, but, you know, all things lead to other things. And, I uh, was blessed to be able to uh, come to Atlanta in 2000 post-Olympics halo, and uh, the city's been very good to me and my family. Obviously, the Coca-Cola company uh, has been very good to me and my family, and so uh, it all worked out uh, for the best. But, yeah, I do think about it sometimes. Yeah, we'll get into your stuff, but, I mean, look at uh, look on the bright side. Pompeii got buried by, like, 40 feet of hot coals, so, <laughs> <laughs> so right, at least right. – at least at least, hey, Alabama with one less national championship, we can all get by. And, uh, no, I, and I think I think we can get by. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about your life and and where we are today. Uh, we're going to be uh, running this uh, early and then running it over the next few weeks. And 
-hmm. We're at a time in our life now that nobody has ever seen. Um, And uh, as you said, you are a little humble with all of this, but look at your agency, uh, 20-year representation of Coca-Cola, and and, uh, and, uh, because of all of that as well, the Final Fours and FIFA and Major League Baseball and MLS and and obviously the AFLAC uh, relationship as well. So give me your sense of how, I, I guess we could say how bad is it, but you know, tell me what you're doing day-to-day with Melt and how you're going to get through all of this, and we'll talk generally about the business. Well, it was, it, 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 yeah. it's, a, been a, it's a, been a fascinating time. I, uh, my son uh, turned 20 years old on March the 10th. We went away for a couple of days for a break. We literally land at the Atlanta airport uh, the afternoon of March 11th, and uh, the world just went off its axis. And by literally Monday the 16th, uh, we had lost millions of dollars uh, in business and revenue literally overnight. We were heading into our uh, 18th March Madness uh, to activate on behalf of the Coca-Cola company. Obviously, it's a very special time. It's one of the big... Uh, starters of our business, uh, and it was in Atlanta. Uh, and so uh, to say the word devastating uh, and fascinating in the same breath, um, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. And, and uh, to see it all, uh, unlike the recession, similar to 911, but, but, but somewhat different. Uh, you know, I hope we never see anything like this in our lives uh, again, but it has been a you know, the last you know five to six weeks have been pretty uh, pretty amazing. Well, and 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 frankly, you if there is a turnaround, and there will be, you'll be um, at the front end of it because of how creative you've been and how experienced you are, and your volume and your your uh, your passion for the game and how you deal with it. Uh, IEG came out with a study that I didn't even believe, and then I've been using this week, and and everybody else sees it as well. $10 billion in sponsorship value in the U.S. already lost. 20,000 sports and entertainment properties canceled or postponed. And 120,000 active sponsorship agreements affected. Uh, you know, kudos to the lawyers that got to figure this all out, but we're not right. all, you know, in the lawyer defense fund on this one. This is one example as a lawyer that I, I don't want to see any more lawyers on this stuff. But, but right. you know, when you think about the turnaround and all, what has to happen first? Do we do we get the live sports back? Do we get the fans in the stands next? Do we get people willing and comfortable to go back in the stands next? Do we get sponsors to realize that they roll over their agreements? I mean, there are a lot of things that have to happen. Give me a chronology. Well, if you look at things in a macro perspective, I, I, uh, I think the NFL is probably going to drive a lot of this. Obviously, they're the biggest game in town. I think behind that... Um, college football. I like to say if there's going to, if there's no college football in fall, we've got all got a lot bigger problems because that means that there's no colleges in session. Right. Kids are not there, and exactly and gigantic uh, domino effect for uh, major colleges and universities. But I think from you know, obviously you've heard the comment the the virus will drive uh, the discussion, and I think some people are more bullish on getting out of their house than others are. Uh, there is a school of thought that there has been a herd mentality, a herd immunity uh, for many, many months going on. And I will tell you, Rick, a lot of good friends of ours and a lot of good friends that cover us in the business 
uh, and, and anecdotally, people were very sick in November, December, January and were not diagnosed with the flu, and they now surmise maybe they had that a lot sooner because they got deathly ill, they got over it, but they never figured out what had them. And so um, I'm bullish about the prospects of sports coming back sometime over the summer. I think the progression that you laid it out uh, was um, do they play? Do they play in somewhat of an immune environment? Then do they toe in the water with the fans, and then more fans get comfortable with it? Hopefully the heat will subside this, maybe the immunities that have built up by many, many people. Uh, and at some point over the next few months um, that we will return to some sense of normalcy. But if you look at a macro perspective of things that are or could happen, um, ESPN, the cable uh, television business model, um, is already had been in jeopardy. Now it's in greater jeopardy because of the acceleration of cord cutters, which then means a giant impact on the carriage fees and the ad rates and the rights fees. And uh, you begin looking at that trickle-down effect. The longer this goes on, I mean, I think you're going to see the greatest seismic shift um, in the sports business, in the sports industry, possibly uh, since World War II or even greater than that. Yeah, and every one of the people that I talk to in the industry, Vince Thompson, says that it's a time for reflection and change, but nobody knows what change really really means on this. That IEG document that I read and then hopefully burned said that 79% of the sponsors that they surveyed will approach their marketing mix differently. That's their quote. While 60% of the properties will change sponsorship structures and sales. What does that mean? Well, I'm hearing that now. I'm hearing it from the buy side, and I'm hearing it from the sales side. Um, I don't know. And and here's the thing, too. I don't know if anybody really knows what that means right now. And secondly, we're all looking at things in the snapshot of a Polaroid right now not a motion picture. So today, we all may be saying that, but we know that consumption is going to come back. We know that consumption of live sports is going to come back. We know that legalized wagering is going to be passed more and more states as they have uh, holes in their budget, which is still going to drive consumption of sports, can still drive consumption of, uh, of live sports, televised sports, uh, beer consumption, Coca-Cola consumption. At some point, the consumption will outweigh uh, the fear. Now, do I think sponsors will definitely take a different look? I think they will, but I'm not sure that handbook is written yet. But now for people like myself in my industry, in our industry, I do think it's a, it's a great opportunity to really analyze and do some things better and differently going forward. And it was already, that discussion was already being driven by the next generation consumer. My son is 20 years old. And he consumes information a heck of a lot different than you and I did when we were his age and maybe even now. Don't you so, put me in your age group. Yeah, actually, I'm older than you. So, yeah, you're right. I, <laughs> <laughs> you and I both understand that. By the way, I, I, just a quick anecdote to interrupt you on this. I'm you know, doing a lot of TV on Fox and NBC and everybody else. And my two daughters, uh, they don't ever watch me because they say we don't watch, nor do we want to watch TV because – we have to be captive to that schedule as opposed to pulling it up whenever we want. Could you imagine somebody saying that 20 years ago? I mean, what, what did that mean, right? I mean, that's well, a, I, it's a different world, man. 
Well, it, you know, I, I knew I was getting a little older when a few years back my son walked into the room and said, Dad, have you ever had a, had a, uh, heard, heard a term called dial-up? And I'm going, I'm about to punch you in the, uh, in the, in the nose for, for asking me that question. But, yeah. but I, yeah. do think, I do think that um, the next generation of consumer was already driving this. Uh, I do think this the virus has accelerated um, you know, this seismic shift. And like I said, if you look at it from a macro perspective, look at the cable television uh, business model, look at the financial problems Endeavor's having. Uh, if you look at the college space, the guaranteed model that IMG and Learfield have laid out for many, many years, hundreds of millions of dollars, I think that's going to be turned upside down. Um, in the college space, for sure, it's going to accelerate um, the sophistication of the fan experience because not only were they having a problem getting in there now, they're really going to have a problem down the line. And so uh, I've had some extensive discussions with athletic directors. What more do we need to be doing to elevate that college experience up to the pro experience? Because they'll come back to the Mercedes Stadium. They'll be the most sophisticated organization um, strategy that Mr. Blank will lay out. But what are we going to do down at my alma mater down at Auburn? Uh, 90 miles away and worlds apart from that fan experience. And so um, we, it's coming down the pike. We, our, our business is going to come back. Uh, I think that the uh, appetite for sports is now being more appreciated than it's ever been because it, it's still our last great escape, maybe other than music or dining out with your friends. I think that a business like Melt, we're looking at how do fans consume this in the home? Are there opportunities there? Or if they're going to come out live, what more and better can we do for them uh, there? So I think overall it's going to make the experience uh, a lot better, a lot safer. Uh, and I think it's going to be an appreciation of things that we used to take for granted, like going to a ball game or a race or a golf tournament with your buddies or, or sitting down at home. You're going to see record uh, viewership numbers for the draft tomorrow night because the appetite and the pent-up demand is gargantuan. You had 6 million people watch uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, you're going to have tens of millions of people watch the uh, draft. I know my son and my uh, friends, we're all planning what we're going to eat together tomorrow night. Yeah, and, and by the way, uh, I, I, uh, how about Saturday when, you know, round, uh, what, uh, four through seven, man, that, that's going to be a blockbuster. I, I'm going to sit there all day and, 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 it, and watch Mr. Irrelevant. Well, it's going to be it, unbelievable. And, and by the way, one, one quick thing. I was one of those 1.42 million people. Um, the, who watched Elway to Marino, but I also was one of those 2.16 million that watched uh, Tiger last Sunday. Did, did he win that uh, Masters uh, last year? I, I turned it off early. Did he win that? I think I, th- I think he did close the deal out, and <laughs> uh, you know, he was playing. Well, he, I'll have to confess, I even watched his Masters champions dinner in clothes with his family. Yeah, yeah, and no, I, I'll admit to confess that, but a lot of people did that, but. You know, fall could be shaping up to be amazing. You could literally yeah. have Tennessee at Georgia and the Masters the same weekend. Think I about know, it. No, I, you know, when I was talking to all the media people, I said, if you can hang on and just go to the bottom floor of your respective houses, because after six weeks of this, you don't want to be on an upper floor in case you feel like losing it and then you're jumping. At least if you're on the first floor, you're going to be okay. Now, if you can get through the summer – the fall is going to be like nothing we've ever seen, and I think you and I agree with that. But one more thing that I want you to comment on for us, uh, the Seton Hall study that has been done, and, and I'm interested in your take on this, 
20% of the respondents believe the NFL should resume uh, but allow the players to choose not to play. That's not going to work, but we'll see. 6% mm-hmm. said the competition should begin as planned regardless of circumstance, but it's only 6%. 76% said they'd watch the broadcast with the same interest as before. Of course they would, because it's you know, not their, mm-hmm. their bodies if they're not there. But mm-hmm. 72% said that absent a vaccine, they wouldn't attend games if social distancing was still in place. So because there's no social distancing if you're at a game. So you touched on it earlier, but I, I want you to tell me why Melt is so good at anticipating trends. Isn't it true that what's going to happen with the corporate involvement and experience is there's going to be some merging of at-home experience, uh, team experience, league experience, and what would have been in-stadium experience, and then the money may be distributed in a different way, but Anybody that's not looking at all of that in an integrated way has his head in the sand. What do you think? Well, like I said, I mean, I'm looking at this as a golden opportunity really for all of us in our industry to reexamine. And like I said, I had this discussion with uh, an athletic director this week, as a matter of fact, like, okay, tell me about the tailgating experience. What can we do better? Not just pop a tent up there and some you know, drape tables. What can we do better to anticipate that fan's experience when we come in there? What can we do better um, uh, to make their experience good while they're there? Rick, what does the concession stand of the future actually look like? What does the safety of the coat guy in the stands look like? What is the safety of that cup that you have in your hand? What is your interaction with that player? Uh, and I'll give you a hot take as we, as we head out of here. I'm a big advocate for name, image, and likeness. I'm a big advocate for student-athletes. Uh, rights, and um, if you don't think that we're not right in the middle of thinking about how that's going to positively impact student-athlete experience and how they interact with the fans down the line, um, I see it uh, as a great opportunity in, in, in our space, and I believe that you will see more liberal and progressive thinking against that than you would have had even coming out of the NCAA even several weeks ago. Uh, because there's going to be such giant revenue shortfalls in the athletic departments, but what can we do better for the student-athletes to interact with the fans? And I think that's going to drive the engagement. Keep your eye on the legalized wagering. That's a big one uh, as well in many, many states as they plug those shortfalls. So conversations that you and I would have had six or eight weeks ago are much different than they are today based on the seismic shift of the, of the landscape. Well, and here's the promise, because I I did you wrong, because there are hundreds of things you and I need to talk about. This is all top of mind, but we're going to do this again uh, in a couple of weeks or a little longer, and we're going to do this regularly uh, through the uh, coronavirus up, up, out, middle, and down, because Mm -hmm. uh, you you were a very significant mind early on in our relationship. That's why I chose to hang out with you, and now you're even more of a significant mind. Vince Thompson, he's not getting in the last word, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Harrow, speak with you soon. Well, Vince Thompson certainly can change the industry and is one of those who is very thoughtful about doing it. We'll be looking for some good stuff from him in the months and years ahead. Now, the Sports Tech Minute. And you might expect it focuses on some of the uh, outliers and uh, perspective from the draft. First, they had a very, very good Thursday night football matchup, not in the game and not in during the draft, but actually betting in 2019, the first year with legal betting on the NFL draft in Jersey. The wagering option was somewhat of a novelty, 
but casual bettors no doubt didn't even realize gambling was available. But according to NJ Online Gaming, the just-completed NFL draft was a bonanza for sports books, the betting handle of four times the 2019 figures, and almost three quarters of the overall sports betting handle on Thursday play at Sugar House was on the draft, and gamblers were betting on decisions made by NFL teams that won't impact the standings for at least four months. Yeah, you got to bet on something. But then TikTok brings the NFL 580 million viewers with draft day coverage. The views, specifically according to Mobile Marketer. The viral video app TikTok and the NFL worked on several promotional efforts tied to the draft from this year. Program included a hashtag challenge similar to the uh, NFL's virtual fundraiser for COVID relief, and it was simulcast, in fact, and new in-app effects. The NFL hashtag going pro challenge earned TikTok, uh, TikTok users the opportunity to create videos depicting their professional aspirations as teams picked amateur players to quote-unquote go pro. Hashtag challenge had racked up more than 580 million views by draft day. Roger Goodell participating in a dance challenge. TikTok also showed a live stream simulcast of the Draftathon, the NFL's effort to raise money for COVID-19. As the league seeks to cultivate the next generation of football fans, it's ramped up efforts to showcase its programming on TikTok in the past year and keeping football fans engaged during the sports world shutdown. We're going to hear much, much, much more from TikTok in the not-too-distant future. That's your Sports Tech Minute. Welcome into the Esports Minute of Keeping Score with Rick Horo. I'm Mitch Reams from the Esports Network. With esports taking over sports channels due to the coronavirus over the last month and a half, we have the most comprehensive data for what works and what doesn't on broadcast TV for esports. According to viewership stats compiled by Manny Onicle, which consists of Nielsen numbers along with internal data, the most popular esports events have been iRacing. The virtual NASCAR races are consistently hitting over 1 million viewers each week. This is basically the birth of a new esport because iRacing was effectively irrelevant in esports prior to the coronavirus. Following iRacing, the NBA 2K Players Tournament on ESPN ranged from 350,000 viewers to just over 100,000. While not great for the average ESPN broadcast, the NBA 2K League only gets about 10,000 viewers on Twitch. And bringing up the rear is the EMLS competition, which saw only 34,000 viewers. That's astoundingly low, given a decent time slot on a Sunday afternoon on Fox Sports 1. That's all for this eSports Minute. Now back to Rick Hora. And your Power of Sports Minute. We've been talking about a lot of different things that have happened over the past few episodes, but let's focus on two today. First, minor league baseball, they launch the MILB Community First, a new national initiative developed in conjunction with Feeding America. The initiative, according to Synopsis Sports, raises funds for local food banks to honor individuals risking their lives on the front line of COVID-19. Participating are MILB's national partners, BAM Live, Echo Incorporated, Guardian Protection, and ISM Connect. And in terms of uncertainty, and in times of uncertainty, coming together to help others is crucial to the health, well-being, and stability of local communities, said minor league baseball president Pat O'Connor. With the support of our fans through the Feeding America network of food banks, we want to do our part to continue to fight hunger across America during this pandemic. And when it's possible to hold games once again, our teams will provide local heroes across the country with unforgettable experiences in our ballparks. And even if minor league baseball faces severe future challenges, 
it continues to be a valued and beloved partner to the communities it serves. But at the same time, look at hockey. The NHL announces that NHL-licensed cloth face coverings available for purchase on NHLshop.com, the proceeds going to support Feeding America and the Food Bank's Canada COVID-19 response fund. Synopsis says the face coverings are intended for personal use in keeping with recommendations from the CDC and Health Canada regarding the use of cloth face coverings in public settings as a step to limit the spread of COVID-19. The NHL has licensed uh, the company called FOCO to manufacture the face coverings available in the branding of all 31 teams. For twenty four ninety nine, and while Fanatics and other sports leagues partners jumping on the opportunity to provide officially licensed face coverings emblazoned with teams' logos, this is the first major cross border initiative between U.S. and Canadian franchises and suppliers. More to come, and that's the power of Sports Minute. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is keeping score for the week. We'd like to thank Vince Thompson for his perspective for all of us for continuing the challenge and to move forward and stay strong as sports recovers from the unprecedented pandemic. And join us next week when we continue to keep score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.